Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. What state is this? Sorry. You don't understand the question? Oh, no, I don't. Most people know where they are. Why ain't most people? You're in the glorious state of Arkansas, sweetheart. How'd you know they was lying? Well, this ain't Arkansas, so everyone is lying. Your idea is incredible. I can't argue with that. We pay for everything. So this country belongs to us. It's just business. Hunting human beings for sport. They're not human beings. <laughs> Every year, a bunch of elites kidnap normal folk like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming. Mississippi. Orlando. <laughs> and hunt us for sport. Hurry, hurry, hurry up. So it's true. We're being hunted. Hey, what are we going to wait? What is happening? Put him in the back with the rest. Now they can't see us. You just told them we're here. What was that? I think that was a rifle. Ah, come on. Everybody get out of here! Ah, Jesus, come on! Ah, Who are these people? How are they getting away with this? Oh, can't you, sleep? you have no idea what you're up against. They're playing you! They'll tell you the pieces. We'll see. Of all the people you kidnapped, of all the people you killed, you picked the wrong game. Lady, you're crazy. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 13th of August, year of our Lord, 2019. That intro is pretty freaking disgusting. It was first pushed out by Trump, which a lot of people didn't know about it, and then it went all over the place. And that is a movie they were going to actually put out, and that movie was titled The Hunt. Within The Hunt, as you heard, they were going to hunt down deplorables and kill them. There was a show a long time ago, it had iced tea in it, and it was called The Game, I believe. And in The Game, they hunted black people, or um, they showed white people too, but they'd get bums, and they, these rich white people would go after them. So, in this case, they decided to do it with rich elite liberals, and it was an $18 million movie, and they were going to have them killing deplorables. 
NBC Universal, we're not canceling release of the film or liberals hunt deplorables, report says. Despite the fact the film The Hunt reportedly depicts liberal elites hunting deplorables for sport, NBC Universal is remaining adamant in the face of recent mass shootings that it's still planning to release the satire movie, which has a release date of September 27th. An NBC Universal source told Fox News there are no plans to not release the film, no plans to move the release. The violent gun-toting film revolves around a group of people from predominantly Republican states being kidnapped and hunted for sport by liberal elites. The Hollywood Reporter echoed that the violent R-rated film from producer Jason Blum of Blumhouse follow a dozen megatypes who woke, wake up in a clearing and realize they're being stalked for sport. The original time, title of the film is Red State versus Blue State. They pointed out the screenplay for the movie features the Red State characters wearing trucker hats and cowboy shirts. One of them boasts about owning numerous firearms, while the Blue State characters opine that the deplorables were targeted for their anti-choice position or using the N-word on Twitter. One blue stater reportedly is supposed to push her stiletto heel in the eye of a red stater claiming, war is war. But we have a white nationalism problem. Yeah, we have a problem, I guess. Interesting. Today, I'm going to do a couple things a little different. It's kind of like a Fire for Effect segment, but things came to mind off a couple sound bites I heard, and I'm going to kind of show, in theory, how fucking ass-backwards our country is, especially the media. Um, there's some stuff I'm going to cover, a recently released soundbite of a major figure in liberal media talking to a normal person and his language and conduct is supposedly what's so bad about Trump and you and I and everybody else. And then we'll do a news and social media nuggets. But I want to taint it with family stuff. And I'm not going to get into the details, but I was woken this morning about some family stuff that happened. And to protect who that was, I'm not going to say. But it struck me that a progressive man... Progressive men are no different than Chris Cuomo. They're full of shit. When they're on social media, when they're in their little circles talking about how life should be and talking down to conservatives and how horrible we treat William women, every incident of domestic violence I've ever seen was a liberal man against a woman. Everyone in the military... This one that happened last night, directly, skinny jean, soy latte drinking, I hate all Trumpers individual. And they're full of shit. You know, I might not be pro-choice. I'm pro-choice minus. I don't believe you should kill a baby in the third trimester. I'm all about that 23 weeks. I don't believe... That transgender men who want to feel like women should be able to compete against other women in sports. Because I don't think that gives women a fair advantage. But I don't give a fuck if you want to be a woman. Just don't expect me to keep up with your 95 pronouns. I don't believe in reparations for people. I think that's kind of stupid. And I don't believe that because I don't want to fund Planned Parenthood's genocide on black babies or people of color that I'm a racist because of that. And finally, I don't believe because I own a weapon and I secure my weapon 
And I use my weapon for sports shooting, target shooting, and self-defense that I kill people of color and I'm an evil person. But that's what you all say about me. I'm a horrible human being because I don't think like you. Yet, I would never treat a woman poorly. I don't threaten women. I don't physically assault or verbally assault women. Open doors for women. Not because they're incapable. There's a lot of women that could whoop my ass. There's a whole bunch of women that could outrun me, outlift me, outswim me. I'm a fat blob. But I treat women with dignity and respect, but yet I'm the sexist. When it's clearly obvious to me, for my life's journey, those liberal skinny jean allies, they talk it, but they don't walk it. And if anything, they infringe on your rights as a woman by stealing things that you could do, like sports. So I'm going to be a little foul because it just comes together sometimes, which is kind of what this podcast is about. So before I get to the big news of the day, I'm going to go straight into other stuff. Fox 17, the reputation, this is West Michigan. Hundreds of Facebook and Reddit users are posting they will no longer eat at Anna's house after seeing a Federal Election Commission filing detailing its political contributions. Anna's house with eight franchises in Michigan that advertised voter number one best breakfast in Michigan gave $1,500 to Trump victory, a joint fundraising committee. The reputation of a local restaurant chain is getting political after public records, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, they've never had so much business. Because once again, in the world that we're living in, people believe it's okay to dox other people. All right? Same thing's happening to Miller Barbecue Restaurant chain, My San Antonio. Bill Miller Barbecue then became a trending topic on Twitter, with some vowing they will boycott the barbecue staple. In August 2018, a Houston Tex-Mex restaurant, El Tempio Catina, was targeted by anti-Trump partisans after the co-owner posted a photo, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions. The Guardian reported the restaurant was immediately inundated with protests from anti-Trump Houstonians who posted their outrage along the hashtag Boycott El Tempio. The restaurant Yelp page also received a number of one-star reviews from those fucking totally tolerant liberals. Business Insider reported in July 2018 that a brand and digital strategist, Shannon Coulter, started a grab-your-wallet hashtag urging people to boycott companies that did business with anybody in the Trump sphere. And this is all because Castro started it, and then everybody's doing it. New York Times admits Castro's docs Trump supporters deluged with angry calls. The Times part on August 8th, most of the 25 calls Justin Herrick received before noon on Thursday were from people who wanted to tell him he was a white supremacist for donating money to President Trump. Herrick told the Times, I've had people say, hey, we're going to use your business, but we found out you're a racist. He was kind of confronted in the media community and people have gotten killed because of that 
Congressman, it's Willie Geis. It's good to see you this morning. So what is the objective here? What do you hope will happen to the 44 private citizens whose names you posted? Do you want people to boycott their companies, protest outside their homes? What's the goal here? No, that that was never my goal. Uh, Like I said, my post was actually as a San Antonian. My family has been here since 1922. It was a lament. So it wasn't meant as a boycott. It wasn't meant to, to target these people. Uh, it, it was meant to draw attention to the fact that we've got a lot of people in our community who uh, are respected by San Antonio, who uh, are contributing to this guy that's using their money to fuel hate. Uh, and so what I hope is that this has started a conversation about what exactly Donald Trump is doing with these people's money. And I hope that these donors in San Antonio and donors throughout the country, unless you support Mm -hmm. the white nationalism and the racism that Donald Trump is paying for and fueling, then I hope that you as a person of good conscience will think twice about contributing to his campaign. But Congressman, as you look at this list, I know you said you didn't put their addresses out there. It's easy to find them. These people undoubtedly are already being harassed online or perhaps uh, face-to-face in some cases. They could be. What do you say to those people this morning who said, I made a campaign donation and now I'm going to be harassed? I'm going to have people protesting outside my business or perhaps even my home. What do you say to them? Do you want them to repent for their support for Donald Trump or what do you want from them? Well, the first thing is that I don't want anybody harassed or targeted. But they will be because or, you put their names on in public. Like that that was not my intention. But that's and what these things happen. are these things are public. No, what I would like for them to do is think twice about supporting a guy who is fueling hate in this country. And do you agree, I mean, uh, do you agree in this, Congressman, do you agree that in this culture, and believe me, I'm making no equivalency to what Donald Trump's doing, we're on the record on this show three hours a morning about the ads that they're putting up, about the rhetoric he uses, but if you agree that rhetoric can lead to incitement, even if it just triggers one person to do something terrible, does it give you any pause about putting these people's names out in public? Well, Willie, they're already public. They're already out there. There are 11 and, retirees and, and one homemaker who are not public. Right. And this was already circulating. I shared it, so I didn't create the graphic. No, I think, if anything, I think what I am concerned about is the distraction from the fact that people are grieving in El Paso, uh, that these folks just got killed, and there are funerals that are being planned right now. Uh, and the world and the country should be focused on that and on the country coming together and healing, and the country unifying. So I'm concerned about all of that. I don't want anybody on the left or the right to be a target of any crazy person, of any person who means them harm at all. It would be nice to hear, actually, those that are contributing to Donald Trump say the same thing. Yeah. Because here's a guy who, again, laughs when Hispanics, when people in his audience are whipped into such a frenzy, that somebody says shoot Hispanics that are coming into the country and Donald Trump laughs about it. They have fascist chance of sending her back for non-white members of Congress. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's um, yeah, I, I have heard so many stories from folks over the last, well, the last few years, but in particular the last few months as this campaign has started to intensify uh, about how they don't feel safe. Uh, these are brown-skinned people that 
can't hide their skin color. They can't hide themselves in public. He's made them a constant target. They can't get away from that. Every time they go outside, they're fearful. So, yeah, you've got a lot of people in this country that are living in fear because of this president. And what I'm asking for is for people who are making contributions to that effort to think twice about it. And I'm directly asking the president to stop spending money on campaign ads that target an entire community and inspire shooters like the one in El Paso to go do what he did. We agree on that, Congressman. I hope we agree, too, that incitement is bad for the country and for our politics. Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas, thank you very much. Coming up next, presidential candidate Cory Booker is set to give a major speech today connecting gun violence. But we have a white supremacist party problem. You know, we got fascists in the White House and walking our streets. They just seem to be liberals. Tommy Lee, nasty diatribe against conservatives. You Trumpsters better pray liberals never get control of the White House. By the end, because it was a retread of what he did before, he said he'd shove his drumstick up people's asses. The Montley Crew drummer posted a lengthy social media diatribe attacking conservatives. Lee smeared Christians as anti-LGBT bigoted fucks and promised a rainbow-painted White House, Planned Parenthood abortion clinics on every street, and a gargantuan metal mountain in Basel, the face of Hillary Clinton. It's a retread of what that last lady did, because now that's the big thing for them. We're going to fuck you. His last tweet, next person who tells me to stick to drumming instead of politics, I'm going to come to your house and shove my drumsticks up your ass until you sneeze. Yeah. And then Carpe Dean, Carpe Duncum does a great job of proving it's all based on a mountain of lies. If you listen to the Chuck Todd soundbite from last podcast with uh, the member of the uh, Trump organization, they're basing it on lies. So he put out, the fine people hoax remains one of the most persuasive yet easily debunked lies told every single day by politicians and pundits and happily amplified by the MSM. If they are willing to double down on such obvious lie, what else are they lying about? Here is once again, for the thousandth time, what Trump said and what you believe of you're a sheep. Trump supporters had recently started to claim that the president didn't actually say neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, quote, very fine people, even though he did say it. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Why can't this president, who by the way called Nazis very fine people... He believes those Nazis and white supremacists who marched in Charlottesville are very fine people. Um, and the president said there were very fine people on both sides, including marching with Nazis. Yep. From white supremacists and neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, Trump's very fine people. He praised those people marching with neo-Nazis and the KKK as very fine people. Uh, saying that neo-Nazis and Klansmen and white supremacists are very fine people. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history, you're changing culture, and you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally.
but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. So George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history, you're changing culture, and you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. No, he did not. He said he walked out and he said, let's get this straight. He said there were very fine people in both groups. They're chanting anti-Semitic slogans, carrying flags. Are you aware of that? Okay. Thank you. The fine people goes with the animals and murderers that all Mexicans are there. And nobody ever said that. It's not what he said on the golden staircase. I mean, I've said it a million times. Trump is pretty flawed. You can find a million things to legitimately dog him on, but because liberals can't find a way to win elections without lying, their technique is, let's just go ahead and say, fuck it. We're going to go with all the lies, and they're racist. It's a racist, it's sexist, it's it's the binder full of women and Romney. And it astounds me how people are so insulated into their own thought process that they or their political ideology, excuse me, that you can't see through the lies and go, oh, wait, wait a minute. That's not what they said. I mean, you had Obama, you didn't build that. Warren, you didn't build that. They bring a knife, we bring a gun, and you said that was okay. But now we're mincing little words. And one of the key people, before we really get into my segment that set me off on this, from MSDNC, a fucking professor from Harvard. Folks, Chris Cuomo every night tells you if you're white, you're a racist. If you're anti-choice, you're a fucking sexist. If you want borders, you're a xenophobe. If you're Antifa, you can punch people in the face morally. And plays the usual Washingtonian bubble fuckhead with proper decorum. He was confronted yesterday, and this is how it went. This is not altered. It's not edited. This is the complete 1 minute and 47 seconds that was posted on Twitter of him saying he's going to throw a guy down a flight of stairs for calling him Frito. And him stating that saying Frito to an Italian is like saying the N-word. I'm sorry, my wife's Italian. Father's Italian. Her whole family's Sicilian Italian. Nobody believes that Frito is anything close to the N-word. I thought, I thought that's who you were. Honestly. Oh, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much- Fredo is from the Godfather. He was our weak brother. Isn't that your And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? 
It's a fucking insult to your people. It's an insult to your fucking people. It's like the N-word for us. Is that a cool fucking thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll fucking play. If you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. But don't be a fool, me. Hey, man, hey, listen. I mean, we're talking about proper conduct, and Trump is so, he's inciting violence with words like, we need to get the MS-13 animals out of the country. Mass shooters are monsters. This guy, every night, does a jerk-off to Lemon about how everybody in America is a white terrorist. But to make matters worse, here is somebody on his show calling a Trumper, Frito. He had no problem with it. Uh, Daddy kept Fredo back home. So who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? Who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? All right, I, don't, you know what? I don't want to talk about Anna, Anna, you, you know, said, that entitled Anna, little brat. Uh, Daddy kept. So who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? Who cares what... It, it's that word that comes to the tip of my tongue all the time. Hypocrites. They're all just hypocrites. They're just stellarly incompetent at the facts and intellectual honesty. They ride on nothing but emotion and what can scare people to the polls. Not go to the polls for a positive reason. Scare them. Make them so fear the opposition... And they don't even use the truth to do it. Which brings us into our first segment. This is a soundbite that was going on. It was all over Twitter because this guy is anointed as a very smart person. Plus he's African American, so that makes him extra smart for the hypocritical white liberal class. We're going to listen. And then I'm going to crush this motherfucker. I mean... You know, America's not unique in its sins hmm. as a country. We're not unique in our evils, to be honest with you. Um, I think where we, where we may be singular is our fu- a refusal to acknowledge them hmm. Hmm. and the legends and myths we tell about our inherent, you know, goodness uh, to hide and cover and conceal so that we can maintain a kind of willful ignorance that protects our innocence. See, the thing is that when we, the Tea Party was happening, 
We used people were we were saying pundits. Oh, it's just about economic populism. <laughs> it's not about race. When people knew, people knew, social scientists were already writing that what was driving the Tea Party were anxieties about economic demographic anxiety. shifts, that the country was changing, that they were seeing these racially ambiguous babies on, on Cheerios commercials, that the country wasn't quite feeling like it was a white nation anymore. And people were screaming from the top of their lungs, yo, this is not just simply economic populism. This is the un ugly underbelly of the country. See, the thing is, is this, and I'll say this, and I'll take the hit on it. There are communities that have had to bear the brunt of America confronting, white Americans confronting the danger of their innocence. And it happens every generation. So somehow we have to kind of, oh my God, is this who we are? And just again, another, here's another generation of babies. Think about it. The two-year-old had his bro bones broken by two parents trying to shield him from being killed. A woman who has been married to this man for as long as I've been on the planet almost lost her, lost her husband. For what? And so what we know is that the country has been playing politics for a long time on this hatred. We know this. So it's easy for us to place it all on Donald Trump's shoulders. It's easy for us to place Pittsburgh on his shoulders. It's easy for me to place Charlottesville on his shoulders. It's easy for us to place El Paso on his shoulders. This is us. And if we're going to get past this, we can't blame it on him. He's a manifestation of the ugliness that's in us. I've had the privilege of growing up in a tradition that didn't believe in the myths and the legends because we had to bear the brunt of them. Either we're going to change, Nicole, or we're going to do this again and again, and babies are going to have to grow up without mothers and fathers, uncles and aunts, friends, while we're trying to convince white folk to finally leave behind a history that will maybe, maybe, or embrace a history that might set them free from being white. Finally. I love when they bring it up. Every time. Remember, in our society right now, well, our media, when you have a pro-life event, it's not covered, it's scoffed, they try to downsize it, they demean it, they say they're anti-choice, they don't say they're pro-life. And when the Tea Party came out, the media covered none of it. They went back to what they got Obama elected with. And those private chat rooms that we've covered on the show, where they just said, anybody attack Obama, and what we're going to do is we're going to call them a racist. That's how we're going to address this. We're not going to even listen to anything they say. If we automatically call them a racist, it'll make them back off, and they will be screwed. And so for eight years, everything was racism. Now, was there real racism? Sure. The birther movement, probably fucking stupid. There was no way you were going to get away with questioning the status of a president who happens to be African-American. But on the day-to-day -day coverage of the Tea Party, what they did is they sat there and they said, hey, we're going to go find all the bad signs. And we're going to put those signs up. We're going to find any time they burn him in effigy, we're going to make sure that hits the fucking air. Even though Bush W., 
was burned a billion times during his presidency, we are going to say that is racist. That's how we're going to handle it. That's how we're going to address all this shit. They'd find the one guy who, in one case, was actually an African-American, and we're going to say he's got that gun. That means they're violent. They're just violent people. We need to make sure we watch these violent people. Yet it was just normal Americans for the first time in their life who went out and said, hey, we're fucked up. This is not what we want. Were there racists in there? Sure. But were they all racist? No. If they can keep rolling with this, hey, it's racism, it's sexism, they get a win because they shut everybody down. You don't have, you can't talk anymore. The conversation's over. That's how they protect themselves. Look at this. Handmaid's Tale puts the pieces in place for its finale. One of the things, this is a review on fucking Vox. One of the things I think the show has always been a little underrated for is the way it takes seriously the white evangelical project and its inevitable result, a society built around a rigid authoritarian interpretation of the Bible that believes in theory that it is eliminated inequity by engraving inequality into stone. The problems of the world from climate change to mass shooting stem not from what we might assume carbon emissions guns, but rather from the sinful fallen nature of man. We have drifted from God's intended life for us and are being punished for it. That's in a review. As we've covered on the show so many times, they try to make Handmaid's Tale be part of the real world. Yet a thinking person would go, yeah, back in Puritan times, uh, the pilgrims and shit, yeah, they treated women pretty fucking bad, but right now Islam does it every fucking day and you defend Islam. Guns, mass shooting, we've fallen away from God. Majority of people don't say that. People say, hey, our morals are pretty fucked up in our country. If kids have no hope and are trying to commit suicide, change their goddamn sex, and do mass shootings. That's what people say. The majority of the arguments against it's just the gun is mental illness. And not having families that support kids. And these kids go out as lone wolves and do stupid shit. But they can't say that. They can't win their argument if it's all white nationalism, patriotism, racism, and other isms. If they admit it, then this leaks. Leaked FBI report shows left-wingers are bigger threat than the white supremacists. A 2018-2019 Consolidated Strategy Guide, an annual summary of the agency security priorities, was released Thursday by the Young Turks, a leftist media network. According to the internal report, the FBI, FBI is worried about an elevated and possible growing threat from black identity extremists or BIEs. A rise in radicalized attacks on law enforcement officials first came to the FBI's attention during the 2014 shooting Michael Brown and Ferguson. The FBI judges... BIE perception of policy brutality against African Americans have likely motivated acts of premeditated retaliatory lethal against lethality against law enforcement in 2016 and will continue to serve as justification for violence. While BIEs target white law enforcement officers, all law enforcement officers are considered BIE targets. They then go through all the other areas that pretty much show it's not white nationalism. It is Muslim extremists. It is African-American groups that want to attack the cops. 
Antifa. Media doesn't cover that. Because then you lose that talking point every fucking time we turn around that the biggest threat in America is white nationalism. I'm fucking white. I don't know anybody who's a white nationalist. I don't know anybody who's a fucking KKK. And yeah, I'm sorry, Berkeley and New York and all these places that listen to me. I'm in the South. I don't see rebel flags. I don't see KKK marches. All I see is liberal marches. I don't see what you say is so bad because of Trump. School shootings, mass shootings have gone down under Trump compared to Obama. But his rhetoric. Then you have unfortunate statistics like this. One million killed by machete, club, and gun. Rwanda remembers his genocide 20 years later. Media ignored it. Black-on-black murder with fucking machetes and clubs. But we have a white nationalism gun problem. Then you get into statistics for just during this entire time from 2008 till now that we sit on our TVs and every day the biggest threat in America is white, usually radicalized, racist men. Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon. 53 countries has deteriorated on average 29,376 murders worldwide from radical Islamic terror. Predominantly Christian. Since the war on terror, it has never been below 10,000. It's always been above it. At one time, in 2014, 35,000 people were killed by radical Islam. Show me any statistical fact that white nationalism is a problem in America, and I'll agree with you. But that whole diatribe that we played by MSNBC, preceded by Chris Cuomo telling a guy he's going to throw him down a fucking flight of stairs, nothing that comes out of their mouth is truth. It's lies. It's all lies. They spend their whole life lying. That's what they do. With emotional sphere-mongering to get people to vote. And there's the saddest thing about it, there are so many sheep in our world who go, yeah, it's white nationalism's our problem. Those fucking people who fly their fucking flag, a symbol of racism. I mean, CNN gave a glowing interview to a legal alien evading ICE who killed father of five last week. That's what he did. Ramirez Valientes saw it on Twitter. He killed a father of five. MS-13 murdered a California high school student. The school kept it quiet for nearly 12 years. But then you have a media member, Lawrence O'Donnell, Dear Trump Voters, What do you feel when you see the photos of these suffering children and realize your votes cause this agony? Do you feel anything? Well, I don't know. Did it bother you when Obama 
was putting kids in cages? Because that's when it started. Baltimore Sun slams cleanup effort, effort in Cummings District. You can get where the Sun editorial was heading just from reading its title. We assume it was pure motives that led Trump supporters to launch a cleanup in Cummings District, right? So instead of praising a much-needed cleanup, the Baltimore Sun thought it was imperative to mock it right from the start of their editorial and be prepared to enter snark hyperdrive. It made for good photos, compelling videos, and catchy Twitter hashtags. A group of conservatives rolled their pickup trucks into one of West Baltimore's most impoverished neighborhoods Monday for a cleanup day. Loaded down with trash bags and shovels, they cleared alleyways of old tires, food containers, paper, and other debris. They pulled up weeds and cut away overgrown grass. The effort was organized by pro-Trump activist Scott Pressler. He claimed the event was not political. Yes, he was inspired to come by tweets from President Donald Trump. Described the area represented by U.S. was rude infested. Call us skeptical, the paper says. More than 170 people came from all over the country and cleaned up nearly 12 tons of trash, according to Mr. Pressler's Twitter feed. We don't... We. He doesn't post any photos of the totality of the trash, so we'll have to take his word. Mr. Pressler tweeted that volunteers found the strikingly unyellowed, decayed old newspapers among the trash. Mr. Pressler's presence in Baltimore reinforced the tired image of our falling urban core, that the poor people in the dilapidated city can't take care of their own neighborhoods, and all the public officials around them have failed as well. The bureaucratic all-talk Democrats strike again. The crowd of volunteers could clean up 12 tons of trash 12 hours. How incompetent and helpless must Baltimoreans be, and they can't manage it for decades, right? Maybe you could even lead him and his followers to advocate for federal housing, health care, transportation, education, and blah, blah, blah. You see, you can't even do that. Simultaneously, while all this is going on, six shot in less than two hours in gun control Baltimore. Ferguson effect still fucking happening, and nobody seems to care. Nobody. But we have a white nationalism problem. That's our problem with America. White nationalism. Bunch of racist fucking corn-fed motherfuckers from the South. Fucking our country up. Overrepresented in Congress. Don't deserve the benefits we ever get. And they'll throw you off a flight of stairs if you don't agree with you. Interesting. To a music break. We're going to come into Epstein. It's a nose of the grindstone. He fucked up his back, couldn't work anymore He said one of these days you'll get out of these hills Keep your nose on the grindstone and out of the pills See the ways of this world just bring you to tears Keep the Lord in your heart and you'll have nothing to fear Live the best that you can and don't lie and don't steal Keep your nose on the grindstone 
stone and out of the pills Well, Daddy, I've been trying I just can't catch a break There's too much in this world I can't seem to shake But I remember your words Lord, they bring me chills Keep your nose on the grindstone And out of the pills Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. This is somebody who not only is high profile, who not only knew a lot of high profile people, whose papers just came out of court and just let out some of the documents related to his cases that name high profile people, who was friends with the current president of the United States, who flew a previous president of the United States around on his plane, who is alleged to have trafficked girls to a, a, a member of the royal family of Britain. Okay, this is not a, this is, this is, you know, on the same level like a Bill Cosby. This is a famous person now who's now in prison. He knows a lot about a lot of people, and as you said earlier, his only out at this point would be to talk about those people, so he's in this very vulnerable situation. And then you throw in the fact, which I did not know until, uh, thank God, uh, Stephanie Gosk is sitting here and told me this, that this is now a facility under the control of the Department of Justice. And this Department of Justice does not exactly inspire confidence. Let's just be blunt. Um, William Barr's Justice Department is not one that you can readily simply rely upon and feel confident in. And so what do we make of all this now that in this federal facility this person was allowed to be alone long enough to either harm himself or be killed by some... We don't know what happened, right? We just don't know. We just don't know what happened. But your thoughts. So that's our media coverage. I'm only covering this briefly. Because I could give two shits about Epstein. Um, the conspiracy theories are out there. Everybody is um, saying from Russians to Trumps to Clinton. Joe Scarborough, 
I mean, you heard Joy Reid. She tied the tail to the Trump. A guy who had information that would have destroyed rich and powerful men's lives end up dead in his jail cell. How predictably Russian. He probably tried to kill himself two weeks ago and is allowed to finish the job. Bullshit. Powerful Democrat and Republican figures breathing a huge sigh of relief as well as a Harvard professor or two. Another person. My God. Which brings me to my point why I'm covering it. They're already covering up. Twitter has completely replaced the hashtag Clinton body count with Trump body count on the trending news feed, even though the numbers were higher. The media bias is unreal. And I saw it. That's how I found out. Trump body count had 12,000 tweets. Clinton body count had 69,000 tweets. But they put Trump for trends of the day. Come to find out, Democratic activist David Brock, Share Blue operation, is letting game members of the press affiliated with Share Blue their talking points on Epstein. Here's a leaked email they allegedly sent to Share Blue stalwarts, and in it, it says to blame, blame Trump, and then the media ran with it. Just ran with it. But why would we be surprised? This week on Twitter, did you hear this? This is Sharpton getting heckled. Elijah Cummings is a respected and well-regarded member of Congress. You go back to New York. Get that shit in New York. You ain't getting up in Baltimore. I know, but hey, you a phony. Question. And we were told that. We were told that. We were told that. We were told that. Our schools are failing us. Where are you when our schools are failing? You just a hustler out of county. Go back where you came from. Why don't you go back where you came from? I live here. And I was born here, sir. Then we have this story. Do you remember when Minnesota, a guy tossed, a black man tossed a kid off a flight of stairs and he barely lived? It wasn't national news. But a guy at a rodeo throwing a kid down because he didn't take his hat off during the National Anthem? Oh, that's time for Poppy Harlow at CNN to crank up, look at those horrible white nationalist people who like the flag. A 39-year-old Montana man has been charged with felony assault on a minor after he threw a 13-year-old boy to the ground at a rodeo. He told police he did it because the child failed to take off his hat during the national anthem. Sarah Seidner uh, has been working this story for us. And, and this wasn't a yeah, 39-year-old man. This is a kid. This wasn't just a shove. The child fractured a, his skull. I, I just can't. Yes. And this guy was arrested on felony assault on a minor oh for attacking God. that 13-year-old boy, choking him first and fracturing his skull, according to the affidavit. The prosecutors had asked the judge for a $100,000 bond. But get this, Brooke, the judge decided to release him on his own recognizance with an ankle monitor, even though the suspect you're seeing there, Kurt Brockway, has a previous criminal history. Now, the boy, for his part, he was airlifted from the scene, treated for skull fractures. The affidavit in the case says the reason the suspect attacked him, as you mentioned, was because the child didn't remove his hat during the national anthem while it played at the, at the county fairgrounds. You know, he was just going there to have a good time with the other kids. Uh, Brockway told police that he asked the child to remove his hat. The child refused and cursed at him, so Brockway attacked the child for being disrespectful, the affidavit says. There was a witness also um, that we talked to that told police that she never heard Brockway actually ask the child to remove his hat before he attacked him. But even if he did, who cares? Let's remember, this is a 39-year-old grown man attacking a 13-year-old boy. Yep. The child uh, and his family uh, had, you know, he'd gone to the fairgrounds. They were trying to have a good time. I should mention this also. 
the attorney for Brockway, the suspect, has said that his client did have a brain injury and has problems with impulse control. Get this. He said that Brockway takes the rhetoric of President Trump literally and is angered anytime he thinks someone's disrespecting the flag. So apparently he thought this child was disrespecting the flag and he attacked him. Brock? Words matter. Sarah Seidner, thank you. What what worries me, and this is where political correctness comes in, is we're divided on party lines, we're divided within parties, we're divided on race, we're divided by religion, and now we're looking at it at business and business by business. So we're divided on Chick-fil-A, we're, invite, we're divided on the NFL, we're divided on Equinox, we're divided on business after business, and it makes it harder for Americans to find any place where they can come together. And I think those divisions, again, Doug, are something look, that Donald I, Trump I appreciate what you're saying, but political correctness is shorthand for what is life and death to many people. It's not political correctness when you are being discriminated against, if you're not allowed as a, as a, uh, a gay person to be able to marry, if you don't have the same well, I, rights that's, under that's the Constitution. Not what I, of course, that's, I, I know that, that but, but sometimes people use that political correct term uh, and it's shorthand for really just discrimination yeah, well, and, and for people who don't want to be discriminated against. Listen, i got to run, and I'm going to be a little bit over here. But I have to say, uh, I, I want you to weigh in on this, LZ. For people who say that there are Trump supporters who prioritize the economy over racism, what about the people who are maybe LGBT, maybe black, maybe Hispanic, who prioritize vanity or convenience over the rights as well? They, they may continue their membership uh, to Equinox or to uh, SoulCycle. It's their right, but isn't that sort of the same thing happening? They're prioritizing one over the other? Emotion, not facts. It's election time. We have to lie. We have to say there's a huge problem because of Trump rhetoric. We have to say there's a huge problem with people who are white, who are beating people up all the time, liking the flag, when statistically from terrorism to left-wing hate. It's night and day if you're a normal American. We'll end this and go into news and social media nuggets because today I'm doing a short podcast. I really tried. It's not easy, but I'm doing it. And we'll go into news and social media nugget. I think Tucker, who this was a Twitter moment because he's horrible, he's not buying our bullshit, he sums up this, and I do air quotes, Threat of white nationalism. Terminus is Amen, brother. You're absolutely right. Brian, great to see you tonight. Thank you for that. Pleasure, brother. As part of their relentless bid to divide this country, Democrats have been warning about white supremacy relentlessly. After the El Paso shooting, the left demanded that President Trump denounce a supposedly existential threat to our nation. White supremacists being radicalized, and when the leader of the free world can't condemn that we need to hear from that person strongly condemning and rebuking this ideology what the president has done is that he has given agency to hate and he has yet to denounce it and we need him right now to use his platform to say that we are all americans and that we need unification okay so it's not the job of this show to defend the president everything he says and some things we're not going to defend but in point of fact he never endorsed white supremacy or came close to endorsing white supremacy. That's just a lie. But he condemned it anyway. Their response, he didn't really mean it. We have also called on this president to say the words that he finally said today, 
but they ring hollow when he coddles white supremacists. He cannot now stand back and say, oh, I condemn white supremacy, I condemn racism, I, can, I, I condemn uh, violence. It's the arsonist coming and saying they want to help put out the fire. But the whole thing is a lie. If you were to assemble a list, a hierarchy of concerns, of problems this country faces, where would white supremacy be on the list? Right up there with Russia, probably. It's actually not a real problem in America. The combined membership of every white supremacist organization in this country would be able to fit inside a college football stadium? I mean, seriously. This is a country where the average person is getting poorer, where the suicide rate is spiking. White supremacy, that's the problem. This is a hoax. Just like the Russia hoax. It's a conspiracy theory used to divide the country and keep a hold on power. That's exactly what's going on. Victor Davis Hanson knows this better than anyone. He's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, and he joins us tonight. Professor, thank you very much for coming on. White supremacy, you know, I've lived here 50 years. I've never met anybody, not one person, who ascribes to white supremacy. I don't, I don't know a single person who thinks that's a good idea. I, don't, I mean, they're making this up, and it's a talking point which they are using to help them in this election cycle, obviously, because Russia died. But my question to you is, what does it do to the country? At what cost? Well, I mean, we are the most racially intermarried, assimilated, integrated country in the world. Exactly. You and I couldn't go to China and say we're Chinese because we don't look Chinese. The Mexican Constitution has had uh, an element in it that said it was immigration had to preserve its racial essence. So what is this all about? And uh, Elizabeth Warren did not fake a Finnish identity. She didn't say, I want to be the first Finnish uh, professor at Harvard. And Beto O'Rourke <laughs> didn't say, my name is Fritz. I'm Fritz O'Rourke because I want to take advantage of all this white privilege. And people don't trail their names or put compound names. And what's, what's the force around Ancestry.com or 23andMe? It's to find some uh, background that in this racially intermingled and assimilated society that we don't know exists. And maybe we can find something that's not white that we can translate into careerist advantage in the fashion of Elizabeth Warren or Beto O'Rourke or Rachel Dozel. And so it, it's kind of a construct. And when you say white supremacy, it serves for very wealthy liberals. And I think wealthy, and it's a class thing, wealthy minorities. Yes. It says, I'm authentic. Even though I have privilege, it doesn't count because I'm saying that guy in Bakersfield or that That's poor exactly white guy right. in Appalachia is a deplorable or he's a clinger and he has privilege. And therefore, and also it has career advantages, obviously. And we don't even talk about class anymore, Tucker. I mean, here we are, just think of it. We have. Cory Booker, who's a child of two IBM executives, and we have Elizabeth Harris, who has all the intellectual privilege in the world. Both her parents were PhDs, and we have Elizabeth Warren, who faked an ID, uh, an ethnic identity, who's a Harvard professor, and they're yelling about all these people who supposedly have the privilege that they have. And it's sort of, it's become an identity policy for wealthy people in the media, politics, and academia. That once you say that you're virtuous and you're spotting racists under every bed, and he has supremacy and he has privilege, and then you're, you can say almost anything. And look, look what's, what's happened to the presidential race. We have Cory Booker, who just last week threatened to beat up the President of the United States. We had Biden, who said he wanted to beat up the President of the United States. We had Elizabeth Warren, who's... Uh, 
who's said all sorts of things. And we had uh, Kamala Harris say that she wanted to get out of an elevator without a live Donald Trump in it. He wa- she wanted him dead. As, as angry as people got with Barack Obama's health care and all of that rhetoric, typical white person, get in your faces, uh, punish your enemies, take a gun. I don't remember any mainstream Republican candidate. Not one, not a Romney, not a McCain, not anybody, a Mitch McConnell saying, I'd like to beat up the president of the United States. So, and they do that because they're virtuous, because they've established this identity policy, an insurance policy, if you will. And it's, uh, it's tragic because it, why these elites are doing this in the real ground level, people are intermarrying, they're intermingling, exactly. they're assimilating, exactly right. and they're trying to make America what it is. There, there's a reason why mostly a non-white population is trying to immigrate into a still-majority white population. It's yeah, not it's because a, it's, it's racist. White, exactly. They're not stupid a, people. They're coming here because they understand that you're, there's more uh, racial tolerance and opportunity and economic opportunity than ever before. And the final irony is Donald Trump. I mean, think about it. He has got 3.7% uh, record yep. low unemployment in peacetime, and he's got record low uh, minority unemployment. He's got a 3% some quarters uh, right. GDP so they got, growth. They so he's saying to minority people, they gotta call him a white supremacist. You right. have a chance with me. The employers will bid for your employment. Right. You don't have to beg an employer. You have opportunity you've never had, and that's what I wanted to do. Professor, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Leaders of the Democratic Party are happy to lecture you about your... Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. To our military corner, i got some brief stuff, and then we're going to thumb through today's Army Times, or I guess this week. Soldier killed in Afghanistan has returned home to U.S. The body of a 24-year-old U.S. soldier slain last month in Afghanistan has been returned to his hometown of Chicago. Specialist Michael Isaiah Nance remains were flown Friday to Midway Airport, and the turnout was very impressive. Of course, it was military groups like Freedom Riders and stuff like that. It wasn't gang members or any liberals that are actually from that city because they don't give a fuck. U.S. service member killed in Iraq on joint mission. The U.S. military says a U.S. service member has died during a combat mission with Iraq security forces in Iraq North. The statement by the U.S. Central Command said the service member died Saturday in Iraq's northern Nevada province. The service member was advising and accompanying an Iraqi security force on a plan operation according to the statement. We'll find out more and release his name. New bombshell legal opinion says military retirees can't be court-martialed. Holy shit, Jag was wrong. A new legal opinion from the Navy Marine Corps Court of Criminal Appeals said court-martialing military retirees is unconstitutional, and the reasons cover the issue of retirement pay. Chief Judge Navy Captain James Chrisfeld delivered the opinion last week, joined by a bunch of other people we really don't care about. The decision was made as a result of an appeal from retired Chief Petty Officer Stephen Bengani, who was court-martialed after leaving the Navy on charges of attempted sexual abuse of a child. Bengani was picked up by Naval Criminal Investigation Service agents on August 15, 2017, a little over a month after he left active duty and was transferred to the Fleet Reserve. 
He was arrested when he arrived at a residence at a Marine Corps air station in Kwani, Japan, where he was employed as a contractor. Bagini had been communicating with someone who believed to be a 15-year-old girl, but, but who was actually an undercover NCIS agent. He was sentenced to 18 months confinement and a bad conduct discharge. Bagini was court-martialed because of the federal law that leaves some troops subject to uniform code of military justice long after they hang up the uniform. Marines and sailors who, have le- who leave active duty after more than 20 years in uniform for less than 30 and want to collect retiree pay, move into Fleet Reserve or Fleet Marine Corps Reserve. There they receive what is essentially retainer pay and can be summoned back to active duty. After 30 years of active duty or inactive service, retirees are then transferred to regular retired lists and are no longer subject to UCMJ. None of this is true for retired reservists, though, which is why Chrisfield argued in written opinion that treating one group retirees different and the other is unconstitutional. I myself have transferred off, I'm pretty sure. I've been out for, what is it, uh, 14 years? So, yeah, they, they don't want my fat ass. But there are many things. Like, if I got busted on a uh, drug trafficking, they could take my v, they could suspend my VA and my retiree pay while I'm serving in prison and then give it back to me. But that's also starting to be challenged in court as unconstitutional. In the case of this gentleman, you're a fucking piece of shit. Go fuck yourself. They should take everything, and they should keelhole his ass, as they say on the Navy parlance. Former Fort Bragg warrant officer charged with stealing 43 night vision goggles and other military gear. It really hurts that a lot of these stories I'm getting lately are military crime, but they're popping up. Federal authorities have charged a soldier formerly stationed at Fort Bragg with stealing military property. Brian Craig Allen of Anaconda, Louisiana, was indicted Tuesday on charges of theft from military of military property, conspiracy, and aggravated identity theft. Prosecutors say Allen used his position as a chief warrant officer and property book officer for the 4th Battalion, 3rd Special Forces Group, to delete items from inventory, stealing, stealing them for more than $2 million of night, night vision goggles. So that's um, probably bad. Like, really bad. How spec op troops did in shooting tactical competition with Latin America, and this is depressing. All right, I'm just going to go to it. Colombia, Chile, Ecuador, Panama, Honduras, United States. We finished sixth. Yeah, that's pretty fucking bad. All right, that's just really bad. The incredible shrinking MRE. New tech zaps rashes to a third their normal size. Soldiers of the future may be eating bacon and egg breakfast via tiny food bars due to a new technology that shrinks meals to a fraction of the normal size. Think sous vide, but for tactical quiches, they may end up in your next meal ready to eat. One dish bacon, one dish begins with bacon, egg, cheese, and heavy cream. The ingredients are inserted in a vacuum microwave dryer for 80 minutes and shrunk. The result, a bar that's much smaller than a Snickers candy bar, but with twice as many calories. A complete meal bar, that's my goal, said Tom Yang, senior food technologist at the U.S. Army Natick Soldier Research Development and Engineering Center. Yang and other food scientists at Natick are researching Army's new generation of portable rations. On the menu of the future are pizzas, portable fruit, lightweight rations for soldiers on the go. Young's bars may soon be found the new close combat assault ration, which is supposed to contain three times the nutrition of a normal MRE, lighter and smaller. 
the military is trying to figure out how f- to feed small, isolated units who may go up to a week without resupply. Currently, a soldier would need 21 MREs to survive that week. No one wants to carry that much food, and it's a bitch. And so now they're doing bananas. I mean, they're doing all sorts of cool shit. I'm not going to read it all because nobody really cares. But I don't think it's going to work. I, You know, being a guy that gets out there, you might get twice the calories, but your stomach doesn't feel full unless you guzzle water to reconstitute that shit. Going back to the old MREs that were dehydrated pork patty, beef patty, dehydrated ostrich cock. I mean, it was never good, and it did give you stomach problems. To the Army Times, a pilot shortage. The Army is struggling to fix its problem. That is a bad thing. It's right on the cover. And in reading the article, Apache, the entire gamut, it's not good. Um, And for those that don't know, I mean... Most combat nowadays, they're assault, like where I came from, the 101st. To honor the fallen, and theirs, sailor declared dead. Aviator, electronic technician, second class, Slayton Richard Sandy has been declared dead. He's the one that fell off the ship. The two soldiers, Kretcher and Nance, recovered them. And soldier dies in Kuwait, Sergeant William Fries died July 18th. Non-combat-related incidents serving support of Operation Inherent Resolve. It was the West Virginia National Guard. Um, we didn't have the name on that one, so that's why I'm covering it. Uh, downrange retention is really high. Afghan war deployment still boosts recruitment. It's true. It keeps happening. <clears throat> Hundreds of recruits got into the Army without passing a mandatory fitness test. It's starting again as a drill sergeant. Man, we had kids that couldn't even do a fucking push-up, and it would take them 30 minutes to run two miles because they didn't know how to run. Army latest housing survey shows drop in satisfaction. That's a story we did. Thousands more infantrymen needed by spring. They're still offering that shit. Uh, Let's see. Soldiers will run a platoon attack of robot vehicles from a Bradley. Yeah. And then a huge article, like I said, about the pilot shortage. Um... It's mostly Apaches. They're having a problem with Apache pilots. Um, Let's see. How three million more people will get shopping benefits. They're doing that thing, and that's because um, as you get more Walmarts, let's be honest. When I was in uniform, I didn't want to shop at the commissary. I didn't want to go to the PX. The commissary, you don't have any generics. It is a little cheaper, but then you pay the surcharge, and by the end, it's just like you're paying sales tax. In the PX, it's all name brand. You're not going to find a pair of Jim's jeans. It's going to be, you know, name brand jeans. It's cheaper than off post, but it's still not what I want to spend my money on. So they're doing the new, if you served, you get a card, because they can't float these institutions. Uh, We covered years ago on the podcast how they were really thinking about kinking the commissary because it's expensive to run. And a lot, a lot of people want to go there because it's like throwing 7,000 rats in a bag. It's not fun. There's too many people. It sucks. That's why I only go on off, non-holiday, or payday, excuse me, ones. Um, yeah, it's it's not cool. So they're going to try that. I don't think it's going to work. Still flipping pages. This is not a very organized way of doing this. But for those that were vets, Army Times was the shit back in the day. Mmm. <clears throat> That's a stupid PFT stuff. We've already covered it. 
Um, new polls show that most vets say Iraq and many vets say Iraq and Afghanistan missions weren't worth it. And that's true. That poll comes out every time um, we get close to an election and the Democrats are probably going to win. Because they all know we're just going to give it up. And what was the point of losing all those lives? Two are college crazy. University of New Mexico pushes for diversity inclusion themes in all courses. The workshop attends to help staff and faculty become aware of the UNM diversity requirements. Learning how their courses can meet diversity requirements as a mission process, gain tools to integrate more brainwashing. In order to receive an undergraduate degree, UNM students are required to fill a U.S. Global Diversity Inclusion Undergraduate Requirement, which has been in place since 2014. Students must choose from a list of three credit courses, which the university says will help achieve a more inclusive campus. Residents pay $328 per credit hour. Non-residents, a whopping $656. The requirement is to promote a broad-scale understanding of culture, history, or current circumstances of diverse groups of people who have experienced historic and or contemporary inequitable treatment. Among the courses that satisfy the requirements are subjects such as Introduction to Race, Class, and Ethnicity, where students are taught to notice the privilege and oppression of core of U.S. society. Basically, you're white, you suck. The next one, Economics of Race and Gender. Not only are you a piece of shit because you're white, but you're a piece of shit because you're a man. Hmm. Those interested in feminism and women's studies will not have a hard time finding a course to fulfill UNM's requirement. With 13 different women's studies courses that meet the mark like population, policy, and politics, in which students can learn about policy tools designed to control population growth, you fucking breeders. The transformational feminism course also fits a bill. Students can earn their three diversity credits by examining oppression with a focus on colonization, imperialism, nationalism, global capitalism, and empire. Jesus. These things are fucking horrible. It's just horrible. It's brainwashing. That's all it is. This article popped up. Outrage. California parents mobilize over new sex ed program. They're now mobilizing. We covered this a long time ago. Kindergarten through grade 3, gender identity. Grade 4 through 6, sexual feelings including masturbation. Grade 7 through 8, consent to have sex and sexual abuse. Grade 9 through 12, contraception including advice for LGBTQ people who think they have a vagina, but they still need to wear a condom. I wanted to cover that because we talked about it last podcast. And, yeah, there it is. They're still fighting it, the parents, because they really don't want their little kids to be learning there's 95 fucking genders. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Who the fuck knows. Then we have a lot of climate this week. So we're going to start off with these are just some of our segments that the media push down people's throats about how we're all going to fucking die like really, really soon. Sounding the alarm, the disturbing new international report just out this morning that says climate change will threaten the world's food supply and the window to stop it is rapidly closing. It's a real wake-up call. It's Mm -hmm. very alarming. There is some hope in this report. 
Absolutely. And that was the, the, the scientists and global scientists who created this report. They wanted to let people know it's not dire. There are things you can do. And one, it starts with changing the way you eat. Instead of eating a meat-based diet, they suggest that if we go to a more plant-based diet, we will actually reduce carbon emissions. Tonight, the U.N. has a stark warning. If there is any hope of combating climate change, the world needs to change the way it eats. Environmentally friendly farming could reduce carbon emissions up to 18 percent by 2050. Eating more plant-based foods and less meat could cut another 18 percent or more. An ominous new report from the United Nations about the threat to the world's food supply. They say there is hope if change comes quickly, including shrinking farmland while growing forests, wasting less food and persuading more people to shift from meat-based to plant-based diets. But wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial of pain. HuffPost. We asked our readers about whether the climate crisis had altered their plans to have children. The responses were overwhelming. I'm just going to read one. I had a vasectomy because I was terrified. That's a response they got. course there was no journalistic integrity did he have kids did he ever have kids no this is just some soy latte drinking skinny pant wearing fucking white person running around on the planet going hey i think babies are horrible because we're all gonna die i'm gonna make sure that i'll never marry a woman because then she'll ask hey let's have kids i can't i cut my balls off to save the planet yeah Swedes are switching from planes to trains. Here's why. Flight should be seen as a precious gift to be used wisely and sparingly, not blown on a cheap weekend jaunts. A climate academic told NBC News. So you can't fly where you need to go. Get your fucking pack mule and Lewis and Clark your ass to the Grand Canyon. You piece of shit. Los Angeles Times. Are you willing to give up your gas stove to fly climate change? That's the new thing on the West. We talked about natural gas. Yeah, they don't want you to have that. So now it's everywhere in California. Give up your stove. Use electricity that uses a shitload more carbon. Okay. New York Times. This one's big time shaming. Just shame the fuck out of you for mowing your lawn. Well-manicured lawns have long been symbols of American dream, but maintaining them can contribute to climate change. So why even have lawns? We trace their history. The wealthy, influenced by European estates, had lawns first. A month after the U.S. declared independence, George Washington was planning his own. But by 1870s, lawns were accessible to the upper middle class. And in the 50s, they were in the burbs. We cover the whole history of lawns in America, from the Times coverage of Teddy Roosevelt's lawn mowing to the first sprinkler patent, and who's historically been excluded from having lawns of their own. Watch our full video and see how we got there. I'm not going to watch that video at all. Because I already know the answer. The answer is if I mow my lawn, I'm killing the planet, and I'm racist. It's a double whammy. Look at that. That's good stuff. Somebody tweeted back to him, New York Times responsible for removing half a million trees from our planet every week. So they can continue with their 20th century environmentally devastating business model of printing daily papers that become obsolete within 24 hours. They're right. Even if it's recycled, you're still killing trees. But that's not even the capper. This is how far it's gone. We've gone through 
shouldn't drive a car, can't mow your lawn, get rid of your gas range, even though it's pretty zero carbon because it's natural gas. Don't fucking fly. Don't have a boat. Now, poop less for a cleaner planet. I'm not making that up. Brazilian president, Yar Basel or whatever the fuck, suggested Friday that people poop every other day as a way to save the environment after he came under fire for surge and deforestation of Amazon since it came to power. Because remember, we covered that about a month ago. You should be using sandpaper toilet paper. If you're using the good shit, you're killing the planet. It's enough to eat a little less. You talk about environmental pollution, it's enough to poop every other day. That'll be better for the whole world, said Bolazaro, whatever the fuck, who earlier this month sacked the head of the government agency that reported a major increase in Amazon deforestation. So he got rid of the guy who brought it out. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of that, I forgot, don't have kids. Grandparents should be shamed. Yeah. Then we have this. Men who recycle more likely to have their sexuality question. Gender bending and gender conformity, the social consequences of engaging in feminine and masculine pro-environmental behaviors. Study involved three individual studies, each with 960 subjects, according to PSU. So this was from Pennsylvania State. In the other one of these studies' activities, participants read a list of hypothetical daily activities of different profile and then judged the sexual identity of a person on a negative 5, gay, or 0. It's been seen as heterosexuals is important to a person. That person may prioritize gender conforming over gender nonconforming, poor environmental behaviors, anticipation of how others see them, reflecting the tendency to see environmentalism as feminine. All the people are rated as more feminine than masculine, regardless of the behaviors they did. So now you're a genderist. You're you're homophobic if you take a survey like that. I don't know who took that survey. Down most places now, it's hard to recycle unless you live in the bubble. Let's move on. New woke Taylor Swift has issues with white cisgendered males. Taylor Swift seems to be looking for a new reputation as left-wing savant, and the singer has definitely put in a good effort, working hard to slam conservative perspectives ever since coming out against Tennessee Republican Marsha Blackburn. In short, she's gone from knocking Blackburn's platform of hate now to now brutally slamming white cisgender males. In Vogue! Oh, yeah! Vogue interviewed the pop star for their upcoming fall issue, giving a major spotlight to Taylor's world of progressive activism. The article went through Swift's first public foray into politics. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And several months later, she supported the pro-LGBTQEIEIO Equality Act with her own petition to gain more than 400,000 signatures, including those of New Jersey Democrat Cory Booker and Massachusetts Elizabeth Warren. Swift has no intention of slowing down on her pro-LGBTEIEIO activism. The cat's clearly out of the bag as her cynical opinion of straight white males. Response to Vogue Asker, why get louder about LGBTQ right now? The mega pop star claim, rights are being stripped from basically everyone who isn't a straight white cisgender male. Name a right. Anybody? Anybody got any out there? I don't. So says a multi-millionaire, multi-platinum selling recording artist who's featured in interview photos wearing a Celine jacket, a Dior, Dior, I don't know how to say it, shoes, 
from her statement, even as a, as a cisgendered white woman deals with sexism, and that's why she's got victim status. She illustrated it via her recent song, You Need to Calm Down, Ms. Swift claimed. I'd argue that no heterosexual woman can listen to you, you need to calm down, and hear only a gay anthem. Calm down is what controlling men tell women who are angry, contrary, and hysterical. So yes, it's a tough world out there with white men being the devil, essentially. Shut the fuck up. Nickelodeon show to feature trans character arc. Cross-dressing has been a serious running gay in cartoons since... Pen- well, I don't know how to say that. But in 2019, it's a super serious form of expression to promote diversity and inclusion. Netflix, Rocco Modern Life, Static Cling, a revival of the 1990s Nickelodeon hit, will feature a story arc with a transgender character named Rachel Bighead. According to the exclusive Entertainment Weekly report, Rachel dons a pearl necklace and colorful dress, makeup, and long hair held together by a blue headband. The character also has a comedy, com- comically deep voice. In the original show, Rachel was known as Ralph, creator of the cartoon show called The Fatheads. In Ralph's premiere episode, his father disavows him from moving to Holowood to become a cartoonist. The episode was titled, I Have No Son. In the Netflix revival, Ralph goes on a mission of self-discovery where he begins to call himself Rachel. Though Ralph's father originally disapproved of Ralph's Hollywood aspiration, he suddenly has a chain of heart, and he loves this. Nick Adams, from GLAD's director of transgender representation, consulted on Static Cling, tooting its own horn. Adam wrote on EW, Rocco's Mara Life, Static Cling tells a beautiful and hilarious story about accepting change, he writes. The younger characters accept Rachel immediately, recognizing he's still their friend, and while Rachel's father is slow to accept change within his own family, even he realizes that loving your child should be unconditional. This story of inclusion and acceptance is so needed in our current climate. What current climate? The climate where the Rose Parade welcomes trans Rose Queen? Yeah! People identify a female can now apply. We have always tried to be very inclusive, embrace diversity. The Tournament of Rose Parade that airs every New Year's Day in Pasadena, California, has become an iconic of culture experiences as the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade of Manhattan. And like every other shared culture experience that the left touches, it now been changed in the name of political correctness. According to Pasadena Now, the Tournament of Roses has now changed the rules on the royal court application by allowing people who identify as female to apply, thus paving the way for a future tranny rose queen, or at the very least a transgender rose princess, to put in more succinctly. One fully qualified, capable, and eager teenage girl may have to one day miss out on the golden opportunity so a dude can go up there and pretend to be a girl. I changed the Tournament of Roses application for the royal court, could allow transgender applicants the opportunity to enter the process. Requirements previously required that applicants be female, but this year changes to must identify as female. Pasadena now clarified that men are still not allowed to apply for the royal court, even though the new rules expressly allow it to happen. Speaking with reporters, Tournament Rose Chief Executive Officer David Eod said the organization has been building towards this inclusiveness for years. We have always tried to be very inclusive and embrace diversity with our royal court members. Last year, we had our first Rose Queen, the public identified as LBGTQEIAO. So then the question of a would accept a trans person as part of our royal court. And again, based on our selection criteria, somebody's sexual identity orientation has never been part of our selection criteria. Indeed, the Tournament of Roses broke barriers last year by selecting the very first bisexual Rose Queen, Louis de Sir Sickle, to lead the royal court. I entered the court 
on search of whim, but as I continue to return for the interview rounds and throughout the whole process, I realize the value of the Tournament of Roses and the role it plays in our community, Sickle told the outlet. Each year, the tournament selects seven young women for the Royal Court and gives them a real voice. Throughout the interview process, Sickle is entirely transparent about her LGBTQ identity. This goes on to say, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The Pasadena Parade has been a form of LGBT novelty in the past. In 2014, the parade featured a same-sex wedding in one of its floats, being third wedding ceremony ever performed live at a parade. And everybody said, that's great. Last November, the Macy's Parade in New York also made history on his 92nd birthday, but showing on live the first ever same-sex kiss featured in the parade. They proceeded with a bunch of tranny dancers. So what climate are we talking about? Anybody? Hmm. I think the climate's pretty pro-anything other than Christian, uh, conservative, veteran, anybody from the South. Just a mother going out there and being a mother every day. We don't feature that on the parade. So what climate are you speaking of? I, I don't know. When you're not talking about climate change, you're talking about the bad climate of intolerance based on nothing. To our crazy crime, naked couple caught having sex in car parked in police headquarters. Jesus Christ. If you're going to get naked and have sex with your partner in the backseat of an automobile, your car should be located anywhere but the parking lot of a local police department. The important precaution was ignored by a Michigan couple now facing a court date next week after they were cited for disorderly conduct. According to cops in Birmingham, a Detroit suburb, patrolmen last Thursday pulled in the parking lot of police headquarters around 12.15 and spotted an unknown vehicle that was running and situated in a municipal vehicle-only spot. Upon approaching the auto, the cops noticed the rear windows were fogged up, and there was a 25-year-old woman and a 24-year-old man naked, getting their freak on. That happened to me in a young, better half, GG in Tennessee, in Alaska. Funny story, um, that was back when you couldn't bring women in the barracks, alright? And, basically, we went down by the air assault tower. We one time had relations right behind the company headquarters in the middle of an op order. I had camel on my face, too. That's how much we were in the frisky department. And then we went down by the river, and a guy came up, knocked on the window, and goes, uh, Okay, you guys have a nice night, and he walked away. Because he was really young, so they, they screw with us. But needless to say, after that, we stuck to our usual spot, which shows how unintelligent we were at that time. And we would go by this lookout point over the Knick Arm. It had a railing, but it's Alaska. It's freaky cold. And we would put a book on the accelerator to keep the heat in our old Nova working because it was kind of out of operation. And um, neck. Let's just say neck. And I always think about what if the transmission slipped into gear. That was really stupid. So I guess when you want to get your freak on, you don't notice that you're in the police parking lot. Six players ejected and Phoenix Mercury lost the Dallas Wings. The Phoenix Mercury served a costly loss Saturday night, a game in which six players were ejected during a near brawl in the fourth. Dallas 11th and then WNBA won 80-77 in Talking Stick Resort 
Talking Stick Resort Arena, dropping the Mercury below 511-12 in the pursuit of a seventh straight playoff appearance. Mercury 6'9 center Brittany Greiner, after having her arm pulled and taking a hit in the face from Dallas Christine Agnew, chased after the Dallas rookie who was from Phoenix. The brought players and coaches off both benches, resulting in ejection of Greiner and Agnew and four others. Brittany January, Diana Tarsuri, Phoenix Kayla Thornton, and F- Kayla Davis from Dallas for leaving the bench. And I just want to say, how ladylike. That's not being sexist. It's just like, are you fucking serious? I understand dumbass 20-something kids get into fights. But you're women. What the fuck? Go to UFC if you want to beat ass. A guy who talked his way into the tryout with the Browns scored an 86-yard touchdown. This is a great story. Cleveland Brown rookie wide receiver Damon Shagazeppi. If you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. Stole the show Thursday in team's first preseason game with an 86-yard punt return for a touchdown against the Washington Redskins. But even the most diehard fans didn't know his name before the play. The 24-year-old's path to the NFL is unlike any other. He wasn't the standout player of a college team. He didn't rise above the rest in NFL scouting combine. In fact, he last played football on the junior college level. He was also out of cast with nowhere to sleep before he talked his way into long shot walking on roll in the pros. Four months ago, the Browns said Shehei Giuseppe was sleeping outside a Miami gym after spending his last $200 on training. Former teammate from a flag football league tipped him off to the time and location of the Browns' spring practice, but Shehei Giuseppe had yet another problem. He wasn't invited. He's done his research to convince Browns management that he knew the team's vice president of player personnel, Alonzo Highsmith. He walked up to Highsmith, introduced himself, and talked his way into a spot alongside the invited players. They gave Giuseppe a chance to catch ball and run the 40 dash, which he did in an impressive 438. It was enough to earn a spot in the Browns' next practice a week later. At that workout, Giuseppe impressed the scouts enough to get a contract and a role in the preseason opener. The game was the first time he faced a live punt return since his days at Phoenix College. And that is fucking awesome. Just awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So in my forever quest to bash Hollywood stuff, We've continued on in our period piece, and we watched uh, some more of Victoria, the Spanish princess, and we tried to watch this show called Jamestown. Couldn't do it. But we did watch Les Miserables, which is really actually pretty good. And it was the only exception to the rule. And what is the rule? This is from The Guardian. The only way to get more left than this is to literally, like, go work for AOC. I think it's the only way you can get more left than The Guardian. And they wrote this. Not in this day and age, when will TV stop horrendously airbrushing history? From Downton Abbey to Call the Midwife and now Jamestown, period dramas always fall into the classic trap. Characters with laughably liberal values for their day. Stop the madness, TV makers. And they're right. Every one of these shows even had a feminist, gay plotline, African Americans in positions that during the time they would never be in those positions. I don't care where the fuck you were because there was racism at real racism, not present day you drink milk, thus you're a racist racism. Um, Folks, it's almost comedic that The power Glad has 
and the gay mafia have over Hollywood and pretty much our entire society makes me scoff every time I hear a politician go, you need to vote out the NRA that gives tens of millions of dollars, which we've proven on the show they don't, to election campaigns. The NRA has power, but it doesn't have the power GLAD, Planned Parenthood, the fucking eco-Nazis have over Democrats, the media's, movie, TV, magazines, fucking books. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. People feel that regardless of where you're at, you have to have a gay character, and a person of color character, a super feminazi character, and if you don't have that, then you're wrong. Even though it's highly unapplicable to the time setting we're in. I mean, Outlander, which I ran about before, no fucking way they'd let her even do... I mean, she did surgeries. When did a woman do surgeries in the 18th century? Or 17th century? Maybe the 18th century. They didn't, folks. So, yeah. Stop. Which will take us to our lighter fare. Let me pull this back up, because I don't remember where I got it. My big sis in Colorado sent it to me. It's about man soap, but I, I want to give proper accreditation to who it was, which I screwed up with our music today. I can't remember who gave me that, um, or what who sang that. I got it from watching Yellowstone, which I'll talk about in just a second. Um, Dr. Squatch, natural soap for men. And this is from YouTube. I'm sorry, folks. Phones are the things I was to say. Listen up. Okay, just a second. I guess it's a real thing. Dr. Squatch Soap Company. Okay, so it's from the YouTube channel. And my sister sent it to me this weekend, to me and my brother Matt in uh, Oregon. And I laugh my ass off on this. So for a lighter lighter fare today, we're going to play Dr. Squatch Soap for Men. Listen up. The soap you shower with? It's You probably haven't even questioned what bar of soap you lather up with. Let's face it. Most guys don't. They're still using whatever bar their mommy bought for her little man. Is that what you want? To smell like mama's little man? Ugh. But now you can upgrade your shower game with Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. I'm talking about natural, nourishing, cold-pressed, hand-cut soap for men. Men who use their hands. Men who build things. Men who open the pickle jar on the first try. Men who catch foul balls without spilling their beer. You won't just smell good either. Your skin will be healthier and more nourished. Dare I say, soft. Oh, men aren't supposed to have soft skin? Yeah, well men weren't supposed to cry during movies. And then they made the movie Rudy. He's so little. You want to smell like the forest? Boom, pine tar, we've got you. You want to smell like the sea? Boom, nautical sage, we've got you. You want to smell like you just got off a boat in the Caribbean? Boom, bay rum, we've got you. And with six more cents, we've got you covered no matter what kind of man you are. Now you're wondering why have I been doing it wrong for so long. 
During the First World War, big soap started taking out all the natural ingredients to make production cheaper and faster. And they replaced all the natural stuff with chemicals. Chemicals like sodium lauryl sulfate, parabens, and dioxane. Chemicals linked to depression, liver damage, cancer, and low sperm count. And worst of all, dry skin. Oh. Your poor balls, all dry, empty, and sad. But there's good news. We make our soaps with natural ingredients from the earth. Ingredients like oils, plants, goat's milk, Greek yogurt, oatmeal, shea butter, and citrus. No. Turn your shower game up to 11. With the smooth lather of gold moss or the exfoliating woodsy bliss that is pine tar. Get ready to step out of the shower feeling alive. Still not sure? Here's a couple reviews from real customers. Joseph S. says, This is the perfect bar of soap. It's like it was handcrafted in the Northwest Forest by beautiful tiny elves. Oh, Tiny Elves isn't enough for you? Well, here's another review from Michael A. It makes you feel like you just stepped out of a mountain stream and Squatch was there to hand you the towel. It's time for you to get the right tool for the job, because you're worth it, my friend. We ship it right to your door. And with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, if it's not the best bar of soap you've ever used, it's on us. Tens of thousands of men already subscribe. Which means that every month, fresh new bars of Squatch show up at their door. Click the link for Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. Real soap for real men. Or don't. And continue to be Mommy's Little Helper. That's a wrap. All right. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did he click it yet? Did he click the link? He hasn't clicked the link? I would have when I heard about the dry, sad balls. Oof. Man, what's this guy doing? Click the link, man. Step up your shower game. Funny stuff. Thank you, Big Sis in Colorado. Which brings us to This Is America. And folks, man, this is the shortest podcast I've done in a really long time. I'm really trying. We're at an hour and 40 minutes, um, and now I'm talking. So we might make it under the two hour. Really trying. Just got some good stuff from uh, Matt in Oregon also with the bipartisan background check act. So we'll see what that's going to do to us gun owners, and that'll lead off our next podcast. But our This Is America, once it goes, again, for those that are new, is um, our last soundbite and the worst thing I've heard this week, which there's so much, so let's be honest, it's really hard to whittle it down. But I think it is, once again, uh, Brooke Baldwin uh, from CNN, who's actually in our soundbite, This Is America. Well, this time she goes into her whole thing about mass shootings. It is horrible what is happening. But there's a difference from being disgusted with the fact that we do have a lot of mass shootings from young kids are gaining access to guns illegally and going in and killing people to, for whatever reason they're doing it, um, majority are left-leaning people, <clears throat> and then shitting on people who say thoughts and prayers, blaming the president, blaming gun owners, blaming white people, blaming the South, blaming Christians. I mean, there's a total difference. So I'm playing this soundbite because this is what I'm talking about, our media interference 
into the political process of our country. This is a soundbite that shows the difference between journalism and activism and the theatrics and the fake tears. When I hear this, I hear Chris Cuomo telling a guy, I'm going to throw you off these fucking stairs and saying the F-bomb more than I do on this podcast. I hear Brooke Baldwin getting drunk on New Year's and acting like she's not married to a man who's in the room. That's what I hear. It's hypocrisy. So you can go on the air and do shit like this, but all I hear is that you are a horrible human being and a fucking hypocrite. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. This has been a horrible week for America. I never thought in my 20 years in journalism that I would get a call last Sunday morning from my boss asking me to go cover a mass shooting. And I actually had to ask the question, which one? And then for three days, I stood there in Dayton, Ohio, on a street where blood was still splattered on the sidewalk in front of a bar where nine people were murdered. And there I was, co-anchoring with my colleagues in El Paso, ping-ponging back and forth between one mass shooting to the next. That was a first for me, and I am worried that it might not be the last unless there is real change in Washington. Today, the president went on vacation Congress is already on vacation, and despite calls for them to return, Mitch McConnell says it can wait until September. But here's what's happening while they're away. People of color, Latinos, afraid to leave their house. They will have to wait until September. While lawmakers are on vacation, I expect we will keep seeing scenes like this. Tuesday night, here in New York City, in Times Square, a, a motorcycle backfired. But that's not what people first thought. That very same day, at a mall in Utah, a large sign fell. But that's not what it sounded like. It is evidence of a national anxiety. And what about the children and teenagers who are returning to school next week? Disingenuous grandstanding. That's all this is. It's not real. Nobody believes it. Because every time we have a problem in this country, you automatically use liberal talking points and assault half the country. But your rhetoric and your accusatory statements, who eventually have somebody go to Mitch McConnell's house and say maybe somebody will stab that motherfucker in the heart, or somebody in a red hat get beat down, or somebody go shoot up a baseball game. Or somebody go do a shooting because they're uber liberal in Dayton. 
Those don't have consequences. Nobody calls out the media. Nobody will call out Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo will not have to stand and be held accountable for what he did. How do I know? Because by the time I saw this, to the time we're done with the air one hour ago, Chris Cuomo, uh, CNN backs Chris Cuomo to caught on on it video confrontation. CNN says completely supports anchor Chris Cuomo after he was seen on video threatening to push a man down some stairs during a confrontation at the man apparently calling Frito and seeming seeming reference to the Godfather. The video appeared Monday on conservative YouTube channel. Host Brandon Record told the Washington Post that exchange happened Sunday at a bar in Shelter Island, New York, after a man approached Cuomo for a picture. The man made the video. It seems it doesn't show the Frito reference, but depicts Cuomo profanity laced reaction as he characterized the comment as an anti-Italian slur. The man says he thought Frito was Cuomo's name. CNN spokesman Matt Dorick tweeted that Cuomo defended himself after being slurred in in what Dornick called an orchestrated setup. I should be better than the guys baiting me, Cuomo said in a tweet Tuesday. I should be better than what I oppose. On Tuesday, Trump added his voice, the fray tweeting, I thought Chris was Frito. Also, the truth hurts. Totally lost it. Low ratings. Better than what I oppose. Let's break that statement down real quick before we end this podcast. You have gone on air and called Christians horribles. Gun owners horribles. Everybody who voted for racist... Uh, racist Trump is a racist. You should call people out that voted for Trump. Morally, it's not. It's morally different between a person who punches somebody and Antifa punches a racist. You have labeled, demeaned, smeared, besmirched any fancy word you want. Most of this country since 2016, and somebody calls you Frito. And you believe you have the right to threaten his life. Understand, boys and girls, if Christopher C. I am part of the Democratic apparatus Cuomo was a Republican, he would not be employed. I'm not making that up. He would not be employed. He'd be gone. He threatened the life of a person. Cursed him. Acted a fool. So no, Brooke Baldwin. No, Chris Cuomo, Acosta, Chuck Todd, Brian Seltzer, George Snuffleupagus. None of you. You don't hit home with your grandstanding talking off your nose to us common people about the ills of the country. You're hypocrites, and you do more damage than Trump's tweets. Just a second. Let the dog get it out of his system. Trump's tweets aren't followed by a majority of us. I am an independent conservative. I don't follow Trump. You amplify Trump for ratings, dissect the words to make it an ist, and make it an issue... And then you stand on your soapbox and tell us how bad America is because we voted him in. 
And the moment you get some back, a, a fraction of what you said about Americans, you say, oh, go fuck yourself. No. We say to you, CNN, with your low ratings, MSDNC with your low ratings, low ratings, go fuck yourself. You're the problem, not Trump. You break up all this division and you prey on that division. You get paid on division. And it's liberal division. Condemnation of fellow Americans that don't think like you, act like you, live like you. You drive around in fucking SUVs, fly the world, and tell me I'm supposed to be on a fucking electric moped... And that when I burn wood in my wood stove, I just killed a black baby. Go to hell. Trump could tweet all fucking day long and say fucked up shit. The majority of Americans don't listen. Because by this time in Obama's fucking presidency, we don't listen to his dumb ass either. We're going to go in the polls and we're going to do the lesser of two evils. Two evils. That's the way it's going to be because nobody can get through the gauntlet you set up. They either have to be a fucking total libtard or they have to play liberal litmus test just to get there as a Republican. Well, other than Trump. He didn't have to. So you're the problem. You're the reason for violence and rhetoric. You've amplified, agreed with, pushed, persuaded, suggested everything bad that's happened. Every shooting, you go there live, you make this person, this evil person that did something fucking horrible, a fucking star while you're trying to make yourself a star. The media and the Democratic National Committee have done nothing but make our country a fucking steaming pile of shit. And that's just not my opinion. African-American, 70-year-old man with his wife to get back surgery. We sat and talked. And he said, our country is going to hell because of these crazy progressives. It doesn't matter who we elect. Eventually, we will be a socialist state and at each other's throats. It wasn't a white guy wearing a mega hat. He wasn't a Trumper, but he voted for him. He wasn't a white nationalist. He just sees what you're trying to turn this country into, and it's not this country. So now, I buy none of your bullshit. And I trump you with a big old go fuck yourself. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send comments about the track to email F-O-P-P-O-D-C-S-T at gmail.com. FOPPACASTGmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Remember to check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Next podcast is going to be 19, 19, 19, August, year of our Lord, 2019.
2019, and then I'll be off the grid for the rest of the week, and we're going to shoot for a 23rd. Um, I got projects to do, and I got to take my son to the hospital, and I'll be back uh, the 20th, <clears throat> but um, the 21st, 22nd, maybe even the 23rd. I'll be doing projects, and then we'll come back online the 24th. So definitely a 19th. Might slip it, slip it in on the 18th. Until then, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Stay cool out there. We're in a heat cat 9795,000. I mean, it's just crazy here. Uh, it's going to feel like it's 110 outside. So if you're outside, drink a lot of waters. Make sure you bring your pets in. And uh, if you're in the south, pray for fall. God help us all. I just want to get to fall. It totally sucks. As always, folks, thanks for listening. Tune in to our next exciting podcast on the 19th. And take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.